pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Felder scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. It's the pointy end of the season, and it seems like there are only 10 teams in the running for finals now. So I'm joined by Miles Stedman and Daniel Friend to dissect the chances of those teams around the bottom of the top eight. Miles, welcome to the show, Miles Stedman. Uh, You... Uh, in another week of lockdown, it hasn't been great news down in New South Wales, unfortunately. Uh, how are you going with everything down there? Oh, surviving. What, what else can you do, right? Pretty much. And uh, and Daniel Friend, I've got you as well. Similar story. Uh, you're stuck in New South Wales as well, just a different part of it. Um, I, I, I heard that it's been officially extended to the end of September, but um, yeah, obviously that news wouldn't have been met with, with, uh, with nice ears or wouldn't have sounded nice. Uh, no, but that is for the Sydney area. Unfortunately for Miles, he is in that area. We've actually been changed uh, the Central Coast, so we're now regional. So there's the potential for us to get out, uh, which yeah, I'm looking forward to if, if that does happen sooner rather than later. Well, good luck to you both with that. We have no Kieran Gibson uh, this evening. He was not able to make it in time. He did do up the run sheet for us, though. So he is still part of the show uh, in spirit, of course, as always. And hopefully Kieran uh, enjoys the listen, as would his brother, Owen. Big shout out to Owen. Uh, let's talk about uh, what we, how we went last week. So uh, I had a bit of a shocker, actually, with the tips. I got five out of eight, uh, partly because I had a little bit too much faith in the Rabbitohs, I think, against the Panthers, who had a really good start, but the Panthers had a lot of composure. Um, a bit too much uh, faith in the, I think it was the Tigers against the Sharks. That one hurt. And uh, and the Warriors against the Broncos. Uh, they let me down as well. But my bold prediction is is like a like a soft win for me. Uh, the, the, the spirit of it was that it was going to be the best game of the round uh, and as such would be decided by less than a converted try. Now, it was. Uh, even with that dubious last try, it still would have been a six-point difference. So that's, that's a win in that sense. But I'm not entirely sure you'd call it the best contest of the week. So I'm going to take that as like a soft win for me because um, it was obviously a close game and decided by two points. Kieran got six out of eight. His bold prediction was that no Cowboys players would uh, run for more than 120 meters. Unfortunately for him, three did. Uh, Val Holmes ran for 160 odd. Jordan McLean got off his ass and got over 120, and so did Scott Drinkwater. <laughs> so, uh, so that's a, a miss for Kieran as well. Friendy, uh, you had quite a bold prediction. You got seven out of eight. Which game did you miss? Oh, I missed the last game. So oh. yeah, and in one of my tipping comps, uh, it's actually it's put me into third position by four points now because of the bonus point that the guy leading got. So um, oh no, yeah, that that hurt that one. So yeah, missed the Warriors. Uh, they're not going to make the eight. My bold prediction, yeah, that not even nearly with that. Um, out her car scored a couple, and then it was downhill from there. Garrick moved to fullback, and yeah, I don't think the other any of the other guys scored. 
Yeah, uh, you had it was quite bold saying that Adokar, Garrick, Tawala, and Sivo would score ten between them. That's that's huge numbers. Uh, so you know, I don't mind it. Go big or go home, I say, and and you certainly did. Uh, you have to go home though, I'm afraid, or stay there at least. <laughs> um, Miles, ah, heartbreak for you, kind of. Kieran pointed out in the group chat. So last week, of course, as we know, Miles, you got the the first ever double, which was eight out of eight, and the bold <laughs> prediction. And this week. You got the bold prediction and seven out of eight because you also tipped the Warriors? I did. I, um, oh. To make it um, <laughs> to make it all the more disappointing, um, I, I think it was... Uh, I didn't actually watch the, too much of the game, um, but I believe that uh, it was Reese Walsh, wasn't it, who, who missed the, the goal to, to tie the game. And he's a player of, of, as you'd know, probably not exactly warmed up to as much as the rest of the league has. So... <laughs> Was uh, was quite annoying to watch him uh, shank that last goal with about ninety seconds to go. He kicked one from five. Oh yeah, boy, that's shocking. That yeah. was the difference. That was the difference. Five yep. assist at that stage. I mean, mm. goodness gracious. Yeah, um, you know, like get Adam Fanua Blake to have a crack. Like really, like yeah, um, because uh, you know well, the, the, yeah. the better team might have lost in that game as as it turns out. Uh, five tries to four, although one dubious one. Well, as you, uh, I don't know if you've picked up on this or not yet, but um, I am quite a um, uh, one of my little niche passions is um, goal kicking statistics. Um, so I will definitely be crunching the numbers as to who should have taken over after Reese Walsh started uh, spraying his shots wide. But I think there's, looking at their lineup, there's about three or four guys there who uh, I think from memory have better um, strike rates than Walsh. So, gosh, what are you doing, Rarit Brownie? <laughs> that's like Miles quite frankly that's one of the nerdiest things I've ever heard anyone say and I, I am <laughs> and I am such a nerd but like I'm not apologizing for that <laughs> <laughs> just be like yeah no I'm a bit of, I, I'm, I'm a bit into like goal kicking statistics so oh, man come on mate <laughs> Jesus well, uh, I believe I provided you with the Farnworth update he's, he's still perfect in his career that's that's true. He is English, and English people kick well. That's just a, that's a rule. Ryan Sutton should be taking all goals for the Raiders, as far as I'm concerned. And <laughs> by the way, your bold prediction was that the Eels would let in three tries against the Cowboys, and they did, exactly three, uh, and still win the game. So, well done to you. Uh, let's talk about what we learned last week. Friendy, what did you learn from round 23? Uh, from round 23, Bo, I learned that what's old is new again. Uh, 30 years ago... Um, this year, the defending premiers were the powerhouse, the Canberra Raiders, back in, in 1991, as they, they clinched the title in 1990. Uh, they mm-hmm. beat a young Penrith side in the 1990 grand final. And it looks like now the, the powerhouse is obviously the Melbourne Storm. They're the defending premiers, and they beat a young Penrith team uh, last year. And in 1991, 30 years ago, Penrith reversed that result, and I think it'll happen again this year. Ooh, now that's also very nerdy, but I like that. That's good. Uh, <laughs> well done. Uh, Miles, you big old nerd. What did you learn? <laughs> well, I learned that there's, there's always a place for talent um, on a roster if it's matched by humility. Um, and I'm referring, of course, to Albert Kelly here, who was, I think, seemingly banished from the NRL after he was uh, cut from the Titans following a, a doping violation, which, uh, to be fair, occurred back when he was at the Sharks and... You know, who knows how it happened or, or why. But anyway, he, he took his talents to the UK uh, where he rebuilt his career and, and matured as a human being, I'm sure. And 
Look, I'm, I'm guessing that not every player uh, of his talent level and, and history, uh, especially one who's earned good money in England, would have had it in them to, to show up to, to Broncos training camp and, and um, join the practice squad, basically, and for no guaranteed money whatsoever, and, and then fight their way onto the roster. And But Kelly did it, and uh, he's had a pretty good year, and he, he's earned himself uh, a one-year extension to his contract now, so, so good on him. Yeah, one thing that I do rate about what Kevin Walters has done, like it has been a bit like revolving uh, halves for a while there, and that hasn't always been the best thing. But he got Gamble in there, and he got Albert Kelly in there, and at various times of the year, the Broncos have looked a much, much better side with those two in that position. And Milford obviously had a bit of a blinder on Sunday, but um, yeah, Albert Kelly very well deserved extension. That's a really good call because he would have <laughs> he would have had guaranteed money in the UK. Um, and happy to see that. One thing I am happy to see, and one thing that I learned, uh, was that Andrew Fafida is a uh, is very much a team first person. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was a tweet from uh, David Riccio, um, one of the NRL journalists, and he said that when Fafida emerged from his induced coma um, after, like, I think it was five days in the coma, he was still unable to speak at that point, and he was sort of indicating to his wife, he's like. W, W. And they're trying to work out what the W meant. And then eventually they, they worked out. He, he was trying to work out if the Sharks got the W win <laughs> in the game that he got injured in. He had no idea. And he'd been out of a coma and stuff. So, so team focused is he. He didn't want to like say hello to his wife or anything. <laughs> just, did, they, did they get the dub? Did they get the win? <laughs> you know? So, uh, Andrew, for, like, the team first for feeder, that is a that is my favourite kind of for feeder, I've got to say. And uh, obviously, we're all really happy to hear that uh, he's, you know, on the mend because that was pretty scary uh, for sure. Uh, any Anytime you have induced comas involved, it's uh, is not pleasant. Um, let's move maybe onto a more pleasant note, guys, with the wildcard awards. Miles, what do you got for us this week? Well, I've got the Gelepos du Laurier Award, um, and that goes to what? James Maloney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Is there, a, uh, um, is there a place on earth less likely to play host to not one now, but two former NRL premiers? Uh, James Maloney this week announcing following the, the ending of his career that he's going to link up with his former Roosters teammate, Sam Mower, um, in, in southern France in, in a, a regional rugby league tournament. Um, they're actually going to be joining former another former NRL player, Jacob Gagan, who I believe actually I think played for Friendly's Knights, if yes, I recall yep. correctly. Um, and I'm sure they'll no be out <laughs> spend the majority of their time sipping wine and, and heading to Barcelona on the we- on the weekends. Ho ho ho! Indeed, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did, what did you actually say? What was your award called? <laughs> <laughs> it's let me say it a little bit slower. Je repose sur ma laurier. Which is literally to 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 rest on one's laurels, but loosely uh, okay. translated is doing shit all. Okay, okay, cool, cool. I, I thought like it was it. the eau de toilette again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's back, <laughs> friendy. What's your wild card award this week? Uh, my wild card this week. It's a bit of a shout out award too. So it's the Glenn Stewart, not Bryce Cartwright award, and it goes to young gun Josh Schuster. So whilst he's immensely talented, uh, young Schuster is a ball playing back rower. I think he he's sort of shown in the time that he's played that he he just loves the big play, regardless of 
um, the state of the game or the situation. He, he just wants to have that big showy play. Um, and I think that's very much like how Bryce Cartwright started and probably still goes. But on the weekend, Schuster tucked the ball under the arm, took a few knocks for his team, I think probably made his most metres um, that he's made so far. And it was much more like Glenn Stewart, where he still had the finesse, but he had that toughness as well. And I'm certain Des Hasler sees a lot of Glenn Stewart in Schuster, and, and I think that's the way to go. So, yeah, well done to him. I wonder how much Brad Fittler and and the likes of Malman Ingram, if he stays as Australian coach, seeing that as well, because Glenn Stewart was one of the best back rowers uh, of the late, 2000s early 2010s that is for certain mine's mine's a bit more political but i'm just gonna go with it the uh the scott morrison award for patronizing bullshit which goes to ronaldo militalo now stick with me on this one because uh it it might be a little bit harsh on ronaldo because i think ronaldo was trying to do the nice thing here but on a on a day where scomo has compared the uh you know, possible deaths of thousands of vaccinated children by uh, coming out of lockdown too early to a movie, The Croods, which is an animated movie. L- literally, it was like in the press conference today. Anyway, patronizing bullshit. Ronaldo Militalo has scored two tries for the Sharks against the Tigers. He makes this incredible line break, like, you know, footwork, speed, skill, strength, beats the fullback with a dummy. His open pass is going to score his hat-trick, and then he passes it to Luke Metcalf. And I think everybody sits there and goes, oh, cool moment. Luke Metcalf gets to score his first try. And I'm like, what patronizing bullshit? This isn't under eights. <laughs> like, <laughs> score the try. Like, how does that feel for Luke Metcalf? Like, wouldn't he have rather for his debut try have been from a, a good kick chase, a, a great catch off a bomb, uh, a good step, a good fend, some good pace, some strength. Like, wouldn't he have preferred that instead of just this? And I think Ben Trevojevich had the same thing, like, a few weeks ago, where Tommy gave him, basically gifted him a try. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, this, that is the sort of stuff you do in the under eights, just to give everybody a go. Or everybody in the cricket team gets an over. Like, nah, I'm, I'm not for that. <laughs> so, the Scott Morrison Award for patronising bullshit goes to Ronaldo Molotalo, I'm afraid. Sorry, Ronaldo. Um, let's uh, let's move forward, though, guys, uh, into a bit more uh, pleasant territory. There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about having a 17th team in the NRL, and it has been apparent for quite a while now. I mean, obviously, Perth were pretty keen. Central Coast were quite keen. Uh, another team in New Zealand, also keen. Um, but it's been apparent for a little while now that Southeast Queensland seems to be the most furtive place for uh, a new football side. There seems to be three major players in the race. It's the Redcliffe Dolphins, uh, who are a well-established uh, Queensland Rugby League side, have been for years, huge amount of, uh, of capital, huge junior base, um, and de- depending on who you ask, a nice part of the, t- of the world. Um the Ipswich Jets, very similar story to the Redcliffe Dolphins, except with a lot less capital, I would suggest. But Ipswich itself is quite a booming area uh, in southeast Queensland. It's one of the fastest growing regions between Brisbane and Ipswich out the west there. And it's the, the Brisbane Firehorse, which is a completely new bid, essentially. And I think it's mainly being run by the East Tigers, um, which is a bit more of a wealthy side. Now, basically, there can only be one. They can't have all three. Only be one. So the question is, Miles, uh, who do you think would would have the edge, or who do you want to get into the competition? I suppose uh, who has the best chance of success? Uh, look, I, we I think we sort of buried the hatchet on this one um, off offline, but um, I, I think we've we've all sort of pointed out that Redcliffe seems to be the most 
well well backed financially of the the three. Um, obviously, they're in their own stadium, so they they'd be pulling in all the revenue um, when it comes to that. Um, and I, I'm not sure what their what their financial position is outside of that, but at least creates you know a, a bit of liquidity. Um, uh, Ipswich, I've I've heard that their council is pretty keen to come to the party with a funding for a new stadium should the, the state government be up for it as well. So that could certainly be an option. Um, whereas the, the Firehawks bit, I, I seem to know a little bit less about. I'm, I'm more East Tigers are quite a, a, a well-to-do club up there in Brisbane, but I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the arrangement is there apart from Shane Richardson um, running the, the show. As, um, I'm not sure if he's the, the GM or, or CEO or whatever, but he's obviously got a very rich history with, with South Sydney and um, – I think the uh, Cronulla Sharks as well um, in their football departments. So, look, there's there's positives about all three of them. Um, but at, at this stage of your to make a decision tomorrow, I can't see how you go past the Dolphins. Great branding too. I mean, Redcliffe Dolphins. I love that. <laughs> it's um and it's different to all the other uh, teams out there, isn't it? I mean, like Firehawks. We've already got like Sea Eagles and stuff like that, and. The Jets, I mean, that's different too, I suppose. But the Dolphins, yeah, it's nice. I like it. Oh, we've had a Jets before, so. That's true. That's true, of course, the Newtown Jets. And, I mean, Dolphins, Sharks, maybe that's similar. I don't know. Friendy, yeah. uh, you, as as Miles mentioned, we all seem to agree that it was the Redcliffe Dolphins. Now, what I have heard is that, yes, they have their own stadium. Uh, they have about $100 million in turnover mm. uh, most years, which is enviable for most NRL sides, uh, such as their financial strength. Is that the key reason why why you think the Dolphins will, will get the nod? Well, if you've got that financial backing going into any business deal, regardless if it's NRL or, or sport or even not on the sporting field, I mean, yeah, it's hard to knock back that sort of cash, isn't it? So I think they're certainly in front. Uh, as Miles said as well, they've got their own uh, stadium. It's not like a, a big, huge stadium. They'll probably play out of Suncorp mostly, but um, they still have that. They've got the financial backing. So, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's a pretty pretty decent guess to be picking the Dolphins to be the, the team that will be uh, part of the expansion. Um, just on the Firehawks, I think that's one of the worst names I've ever heard in um, <laughs> if it was to come into the NRL. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll stick, stick with the Dolphins for me. Yeah, like I was, I was a bit confused by the Firehawks too, and also the logo itself was not particularly pleasing either. Um, There's just like little things that you've got to get right, and it sounds trivial, doesn't it? Firehawks, ah, that sounds shit, but it, it matters, right? Like brand matters. Like, like who are the who are the kids going to go for? What sort of jerseys are they going to buy? Like, uh, like sometimes kids are just drawn to like a player or sometimes it's a color <laughs> like you know you just gotta you've got to get those sort of things right and uh i think most businesses acknowledge that that's why they have marketing departments and logos and jingles for all their for their commercials uh so i i have heard that the jets are in third position um apparently the firehawks have extended the olive branch out to the jets to say hey look join our bid um the Dolphins have not done the same for the Jets. So if the Firehawks and the Jets combine, that would probably make a bit more of a threat to the Dolphins. But as we've said, when it comes to uh, commercial viability, when it comes to having an existing fan base and a really, really strong and passionate one, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a kid that used to play junior rugby league in Brisbane and going up to Redcliffe was a hell of a trip. Like it was like, because the, I mean, they always got a crowd, always. It would be like, B grade under 12s and there'd be a crowd like it's just bizarre <laughs> like you'd have kids running through like those um 
those like streamer banner type things like the AFL do. Um, it was it was just like they, they really poured into this uh, to this team, this club, and uh, that's the kind of club that I want to see getting into the NRL. You know, I don't want to have a situation like I mean, I don't mean too harsh on the Titans, but the Titans were completely just uh, fabricated, right? They they didn't have a history. Right, the Gold Coast has a small history, and they have the Burley Bears and, and all those teams. And like, if the Burley Bears got into the NRL because they had the financial strength, because they had the backing, because they had the history, that's a more interesting story to me. Uh, there, there's a there's a part of me that wants that suburban feel in in the NRL just a little bit, like just, just to cling on to it a little bit. But they still have to be sensible financially, but. Let's let's have some of that history as well, you know. Stop trying to make everything new. Like let's let's try and improve what we already have. Um, so that's three out of three from us guys, Dolphins, for a, a few different reasons, I think too. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see, but I think I think that will be the Dolphins. Um, speaking of the NRL, obviously there are ten teams left essentially uh, in the running for that eighth position. So. We all had a crack earlier in the year at trying to predict uh, who would get those last two spots. Now, Miles, I can't really recall who you had. I think it was was it the Sharks and the Raiders was your prediction. <laughs> I I actually can't recall either. Um, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was uh, the Sharks and the Raiders for you. So, um, with the Knights currently in seventh place. Uh, on 24 points and eighth place, the Sharks on 20th posi- uh, 20 points, equal with the Titans and the Raiders. Um, it looks like the Knights are, are home and hose there, I would suggest. Do you still feel like the Sharks have what it takes to hold off the uh, the Titans and the Raiders? Um, look, I, I, I do. And I, I'm still tipping the Sharks to get there. Um, uh, they have a uh, an interesting run home, to say the least. They've got the Broncos and the Storm, so you'd think that there's probably only two points in that. Um, but when you uh, stack that up against the Canberra Raiders, whose run home I am just about to bring up, they have the Warriors and Roosters. So um, it's, it's a much less certain, um, at the very least, two points, and they could certainly have some margin put on them there by the Roosters as well. So... Uh, if you were to look, either team could make it, of course. So I think the Gold Coast could make it as well. Um, but I, I, if you're asking me uh, who is more likely to get the job done out of those two teams, I've got more more faith in the Sharks based off what I've seen in recent weeks. I had the Knights and the Sharks from memory, I think. Um, and I'm happy to say that the Knights look almost certain to get that seventh position. Um, I too think the Sharks will have what it takes to hold on, but I'm, I'm I'm kind of thinking it might be the Titans now because of last week, and there was plenty of teams that put up a good fight in the losing battle, but I thought the Titans were among the most impressive, um, taking on the Storm and, and really taking it to them in that first half. And obviously the Storm are a juggernaut, even if they are under strength, but my goodness, I thought the Titans threw a bit at them. And if they can unlock Fafida, Fasu, Maliawi at the right time of the year with Jaden Campbell there as well... Um, you never know. I reckon they could sneak into that eighth position. Um, They've got so Knights I'm, I'm, and Warriors, just FYI. Knights and Warriors, two very gettable victories as well. Although, Friendy, I'm sure you'd probably disagree with that. Uh, you you had the 
Knights and the Warriors, as it turns out, uh, with that turn of race. Are you happy to finally let go of the the Warriors, or are they still in the hunt for you? They're only two points behind. Oh, no, they're definitely still in the hunt. No, I'm kidding. Um, they're, <laughs> they're gone, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, I think the... Oh, it's a really hard one. I, there, there's those three sides there. I think Newcastle will play finals footy. Um, but having said that, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion this weekend that we will beat the Titans. I think the Titans are a huge chance. Mm. Um, I think Canberra are a real chance to win their last two games against the Warriors. And, and I, I really think they could pinch that last one against the Roosters uh, with their season on the line. And Cronulla... Well, I mean, they play Melbourne in the last round, and to be honest, Brisbane's almost a danger game for them too. So, for me, that eighth spot will be the Titans or the Raiders, and I, it's, it's really hard to pick for me. Of the teams that, like, their season was on the line on the weekend, there was a few of them. Um, of those teams, who do you think was the most disappointing? Um, because, you know, like, there's a bunch of teams that lost, for example. Um, you know, the Raiders lost to the Sea Eagles by one point. So, to me, that's not super disappointing. Uh, Miles, was there anyone that sort of caught your eye as a as a really disappointing turnout considering what was at stake? Well, I, I'll mention the Warriors, and I, I do want to, um, to raise them for another reason. But um, to, to me, you know, yes, the Tigers got a ton of points put on them, but the Sharks were fighting for their season as well. So, you know... I, Yes, they didn't show up, and it was quite quite embarrassing. But they were playing against a team with a lot to play for as well. The Broncos playing purely for pride, and they seem to have spades of that, obviously. But I would have thought that if the Warriors were the kind of team that were believed in in playing finals and believed themselves mature enough to play finals and good enough a team to play finals, then they would have wrapped that one up. And they um, they left it to chance, um, basically, and they. They left it to a, um, the, the you know the the coin flip of a goal kick at the end of the game, and unfortunately uh, Walsh missed, um, and now they, it looks like their season is over. That said, uh, looking at their schedule to come, they've got the Raiders and the Titans, the two teams above them in the standings. So, you know, as I sort of foreshadowed with the Sharks, who knows with them? But if they beat both the Raiders and the Titans, and you know, get some results to go their way with the Sharks, they could absolutely still be in the hunt. Friendy, do you echo what Miles is saying there, that the Warriors were just particularly disappointing? Yeah, certainly, especially as I'd been sort of on their bandwagon to make the eight for a while now. And um, I think, as Miles said, realistically, if, if you're looking to play finals footy and you can't beat the team who that weekend was in 15th position, then, yeah, you, you don't deserve it. Um, unfortunately, they, they couldn't beat them and it looks like it'll cost them their season. Uh, they're a mathematical chance, but as the great Peter Sterling once said, once you're talking mathematical, it's pretty much all over. Oh man, I'm gonna miss Peter Sterling. Um, <laughs> you just you made me you just made me sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, like Miles, you said that it, they've basically left it up to chance. Now the Warriors, I was a bit confused. They left it up to Chad um, when they had Sean O'Sullivan <laughs> sitting there. Uh, you know, three wins on the trot. They weren't the most convincing victories, but gosh, they were tough wins. And you know, if you've got a formula that, that seems to be working. I can't all I can't put it all on Chad Townsend. I can't put all the win on on uh, Sean O'Sullivan, but uh, that seemed an odd choice for me from Nathan Brown, um, and maybe a costly one as it turns out. Uh, and Chad Townsend can kick goals too. That's another one. There's another one there for you, Miles. You, you Do you want me to bring up the stats? I've already got them. <laughs> oh yeah, go go ahead while you've got them. 
So Walsh was 81% entering the weekend. That's obviously um, torpedoed now. Um, <laughs> but Harris Tavita is also 81%. And I would have thought that once Walsh has missed three or four, you switch to him because he's an excellent kicker as well. And then rounding out their kicking options, Townsend's on 69%, Hiku 43 and Pompey's on 33%. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. <laughs> uh, thank you for that stat. Uh, we usually rely on Kieran for our obscure stats, but that was uh, that's good stuff. If you like denim overalls, a bowl haircut with a part down the middle, Game Boys and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should listen to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast from the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast about the best movies, music, and TV shows of that great decade. Season 2 is currently underway, featuring The Big Lebowski, Frasier, Rugrats, and Green Day, among others. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your favourite pods. There's a bunch of players, and some pretty good ones too, to be honest, that uh, their contract ex- uh, expires at the end of this season. So, you know, come a couple of weeks for a few people, they won't officially have a, a home uh, in the NRL or even in the uh, ESL or wherever. So, uh, Miles, we came up with a little game and, and you came up with a name for it. It was Encore, Exit or Europe. The three E's. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys 10 players. Um, and you're each going to, and I'm going to join in as well, uh, choose Encore, which means, um, you know, continue playing, like get, maybe get re-signed at your current club um, or get signed by another club in the NRL. Exit, which means retire. And Europe, which means, you know, obviously head to Europe. Would that, would that be a fair breakdown there, Miles? Exit meaning retire or exit meaning signed by another club? Yeah, I had Encore as, as go around for the same club again. Um, if you're offered a contract, of course. Uh, exit is leave to another club in Europe overseas or, or hell, go and sit by a beach in Europe and retire. Well, or, or let's throw a fourth in the mix, expire, which... <laughs> which die? <laughs> maybe not die, but the career could die. Um, yeah. so, so, we've got, uh, we've got Encore, Exit, Europe, or Expire. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first come off the rank, Friendy, is a Canberra Raiders player. He's just been dropped to the reserve bench for this week with the returning Corey Horsburgh. He's a Queensland State of Origin rep. It's Dynamis Louis. I believe he's about 30 or 31 years old. As I said, he's played for Queensland once. He's been a uh, a loyal servant to the Canberra Raiders uh, for a number of seasons now, the Broncos before that. For Dynamis, are we uh, encoring, exiting to another club, Europeing, or expiring our career? It'd be Europe for me. I think he'd go okay over there in the English Super League. Yeah, I think he'd go okay. Uh I, I agree with you. I think Europe, Miles. What do you say? Yeah, I'm on the wavelength here too. But that said, uh, a, a team up the top of the standings that's maybe losing some forward depth could also afford to sign him. I think this off season. Yeah, the kind of guy that maybe wouldn't be the worst signing for maybe a couple of hundred grand a year, something on the lower end. Maybe uh, let's let's talk about another forward. Now, this guy has also represented Queensland. His contract is expiring. At the Canterbury Bulldogs, we're talking about the big red nut, Dylan Napa. Now, Miles, 
Uh, Dylan has a lot of ferocity, a lot going for him, a lot of aggression, which we like in this podcast. Uh, but he spends a lot of time on the sidelines, either injured or suspended. And his product on the field hasn't been as good as it had been in previous years as well. So for Dylan, uh, which of the E's are you going with? I'm going for Europe uh, again for Dylan. Um, I, I think he's at that stage in his career where he, um, he he serves no real purpose to a team down the bottom of the standings because he's, you know, he, he, right now he's just a progress stopper, you know, stopping a young forward from coming through and, and making their mark. And he serves no no team looking to contend either because he's he's what we know what his game is. He he uh, gives away penalties. He the minutes he does plays aren't that effective anymore really he's getting up there in age so he's he's not got a whole lot of ceiling above him so if i were him I, i'd take my game to europe where it is a bit more physical i think over there because the the talent isn't as great and they certainly love a scrap up in the northern uh, parts of england so i think he'd go really well over there just throw him up around yorkshire somewhere and see how he goes friendy what do you say i think he'd have too many beers if he went to europe he'd get too fat so um <laughs> Encore for me. I think he could find a spot for obviously a much smaller wage than what he's on now um, at one of the bigger clubs. I, I think they might have some use for him somewhere. Okay, so like, um, kind of like how Craig Bellamy has rejuvenated the careers of a bunch of different, like a bunch of different people yep. over the years. Uh, you think a Storm or a Panthers could use him as a as a depth forward? Somewhere he he'd need a really strong coach and coaching staff, uh, senior playing group because because he's a peanut and we know that. Um, but <laughs> he, um, I think he can offer something on the field. Yeah, yeah, that's where I fell as well. He he um, his contract currently at the Bulldogs is worth about six hundred and fifty k a year, and that's way too much for what he's providing. But if you got him for around that two hundred that two hundred mark again, um, in a good system. Uh, there could be a spot for him 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game. You could get some some good quality there, but uh, time will tell. Here's a here's a tricky one for you. Now, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name properly. I'm just going to give it a crack. Billy Magulius. Uh He's the, the uh, sort of middle edge forward from the Sharks. Hasn't played a whole lot, but we've been hearing about Billy Magulius for years like since since under 20s like it's just been like oh keep an eye on this guy this guy's gonna be a gun he's gonna be a first he's a rock solid first grader this guy this guy this guy and he has played some first grade he has had some really nice touches but he's about 24 years old now so friendy uh what do you what do you see for billy magulius i think he would absolutely carve up in the english super league so i'll be saying europe um i think he's in that mold of um, a talented forward like a, an Adam Cuthbertson who nearly got... Uh, did he get their Man of Steel? Or, or he was at least nominated. So, couldn't quite cut it in the NRL, but would I think he'd go really well overseas. Yeah, good point. Interesting. Miles, what do you say? Well, I, I will add to this conversation. I think the reason that we're still hearing, hearing about Magulius is that he, he um, quite famously scored the winning try for Newtown in the... Um, the, I, I guess you call it Canterbury Cup or New South Wales Cup, whatever it was back then uh, a few mm-hmm. years ago. So he's taken on a bit of a... Um, uh, his career's taken on a bit of life that way. But for me, his exit, um, clearly he, he's got a ton of talent. Um, we know that. Uh, it hasn't worked out at the Sharks for whatever reason, whether he's not responded to the, the coach or, or whatever. I, I think maybe if you get him into a different system, so... 
um, maybe the storm. Obviously, everyone talks about the storm with with forwards like that. Um, but also, I think he was. Um, I think he might have been a Sharks junior. Uh, so sorry, a, a root. A, oh gosh, a Rabbitohs junior. So maybe you know, return to uh, to Redfern could help. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not ready to give up on him because I do know he has that talent. He's quite fast for a, a back rower as well. So I, I would certainly take him at my club. I saw a silky little grubber kick a couple of weeks ago as well. And I, I, like, you, just, you know those moments? Where it's kind of like a Wade Graham type thing. Like, Wade Graham's a good football player, but when you see him do something a bit extra, like a, a really nice grubber kick from 20 metres out or something, uh, and you sit there and go, wow, that's just an extra dimension that Wade Graham has over a lot of back rowers. Magulius has that just without the consistency. <laughs> um, but he's, he's got something. So, yeah, I, I don't want to lose him to the NRL. Um, I think you're right, Friendy. He would carve up and he'd be worth a fair bit of money in Europe. But, man, I'd hate to lose that talent. And um, Miles is probably right. His best interest would be lying in a, in a better system almost certainly. But, fuck, I'd take him at the Cowboys in a heartbeat, um, to be honest. Um, let's talk about another ultra-talented player, but super overpriced. We're talking about Ash Taylor. There's been a lot of conjecture about Ash Taylor. Miles, what's, what, do you, what do you think for him? Well, as much as I'd love to see him exit and have a go at another club, I think Europe is his best bet. Um, uh, look, the game just slows down a little bit there for uh, over there for playmakers, and that's always seemed to be Ash Taylor's problem. He's just never seemed to have had the time in the NRL. Um, he had it in juniors, obviously a prodigious junior, and was able to showcase his talents that way. But I think in in England, he would he would really come into his own with that little bit of extra time. The players aren't quite as fast off the mark. The defence isn't quite as good. I, I think he'd carve up over there. Do you agree, Friendy? Or do you think that for the right price, he could be uh, a good NRL player still? Well... Uh, depends where he lands. Um, I, I think I agree with Miles. So Europe would be the go for him as well. Sort of in that mould of Jackson Hastings, really talented when he came through, big raps on him, sort of couldn't handle the pressure, and, and now he's going to come back to an NRL club. So potentially Taylor could do that. I was going to say to give it another crack in the NRL, but I, I just had a look. I, I didn't realise he was 26. Um, mm. I, I still thought he was early 20s, but really as a half, this should be... The, the time he's maturing and playing his best footy and he's certainly not doing that. So, yeah, I guess Europe's the, the go for him. Okay, interesting. I'd, I'd probably land similar. Uh, so he, he certainly could contribute as a depth half at most clubs in the NRL, but, uh, you know, to, to keep anywhere close to the amount of money that he's used to, uh, Europe almost certainly. And, and let's be honest, how many people in the professional world are willing to take a, you know, a 20, like an 80% pay cut? Um, you know, or something like that. It's, you know, just unheard of. So I think he'll try and maximize his career in Europe would be my suggestion. Here's an interesting one. This is a person that has bounced around in a couple of different systems. He is someone that's bounced around a bunch of positions. Uh, he's a very talented player, played for New South Wales very briefly and for Australia and as a very young man. And he's now found a home in a really good system at Manly, on the bench, playing as this kind of link forward half is Dylan Walker. Now, he's got a checkered history, as I mentioned, uh, with various off-field indiscretions as well. Friendy, uh, what are you thinking here? Do you th- like, what's, the, what's the best move for Dylan Walker? 
Uh, well, I'll tread carefully here. Um, I think Europe would be the best move for Dylan Walker. If I was an NRL club, I would not be signing him at all. That's that. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, Miles, now uh, you used to live on the northern beaches until you moved a bit further south. Um, he wasn't always the most liked player there, particularly when he was playing at 5'8". He just he seemed to be wasting a lot of salary cap, but I kind of feel like he's found a pretty good home there, and if he's part of a structure where he can just sort of come on and, and hold that middle and, and ball play a little bit and be a link person between Croker and Cherry Evans, who then links out to Foran to Trevojevic, it actually seems to be working quite well. Um, do, you, do you think there's a home for him there, or do you agree with Friendy? No, I agree with Friendy. Um, it's absolutely a marriage of circumstances, by the way. Um, I think they're waiting for his contract to run out, and I don't think they'll be re-signing him. Um, so I think that he's the kind of guy that will probably wind up in Europe as well. I don't think any other NRL team will extend a, a license to him. Um, he could he could even end up in... Um, he's the kind of player who's versatile, and it's sort of like Craig Wing to end up in, in Japan as well. <laughs> there you go. So, like, like you get him uh, to play hooker in rugby union for uh, <laughs> just he can handle the lineouts. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, bit. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm struggling with my rugby union stuff. I'm giving it a go. Did you like that? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's go to the next one. I mentioned him earlier. Actually, I mentioned that he was very unlucky to be dropped by the Warriors on the weekend. Sean O'Sullivan. He's coming off contract now. They've got Sean Johnson heading to the Warriors. Um, it, like, you know, Chad Townsend's only there for a few weeks and it seems like the coach there doesn't have enough faith in Sean O'Sullivan to keep him in the starting side. But then he's dropped Chanel Harris to Vita, um, kept Chad Townsend and he's moved Sean O'Sullivan to 5'8". So uh, I wonder what Nathan Brown's plans are. Miles, if, if you're Sean O'Sullivan, what's... What do you think is going on there? Now, Sean O'Sullivan, by the way, he's been part of the Roosters system. He's part of the Broncos system. He's now part of the Warriors system. He's, he's only about, from memory, about 24 or 25 years old. So he's still pretty young. Um, Brad Fittler has a big rap on him. What do you think for Sean O'Sullivan? Well, I would say uh, Europe, but I, don't, I actually don't think his talent has been showcased well enough to to really get a, a, a properly sized contract over there. So I think for him, exit, if he can find his way onto another roster in the NRL and, and maybe play, I don't know, five to ten games next year and sort of showcase himself a little bit, you know, put himself in the shop window for Europe, I think he could pick up a, a big contract for 2023 in the uh, Super League. So try and find another NRL club or stay at the Warriors? Uh, I, well... At this stage, I'd, I'd try and find another NRL club because it, it looks like we're headed for a, a classic uh, halves log jam next year at the Warriors. There's Sean Johnson, Harris DeVita, uh, Townsend's on his way out, but there are a few others there as well. Nicarima, of course, yeah. And, and Reese yeah. Walsh probably will stay at fullback, but there's some 5'8th in him as well. So um, interesting times ahead for them. Friendy, uh, do you agree that... Uh, Europe seems the best place for him, but in the future and until then, he should find some more games at the NRL. Yeah, I'd be looking for another NRL club um, as he's he's too old to stay at the Warriors and be learning off Sean Johnson. He, he doesn't need to be learning at this stage of his career. He needs to be playing. And I think somewhere where he could wind up, he's sort of a, maybe not as big, 
Um, but he's a bit of a an Aiden Caesar for me, and he used to go all right at the Raiders. So I think that's mm. somewhere where he could land. Yeah, interesting. Is it the left foot, the left foot kicking game that that he's a left footer? Isn't yeah, he, left foot kicking at, left footer. He's got that little hunchback going on as well, and um, <laughs> I guess like tan skin and stuff. I, I don't know. I see a bit of Aiden Caesar in him, um, and I think Canberra was silly to let Aiden Caesar go in the first place. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where he could land. Sean Quasimodo O'Sullivan, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, good call. I think I think he's too young. I agree with both of you. He um, he does need to find a home in the NRL. Warriors might be a bit tricky for him. He's getting inconsistent messaging, at least publicly speaking, uh, from the coach. So, um, I yeah, Canberra actually seems like a really good fit. Sam Williams doesn't seem to be doing the job there. Um, they're calling out for some depth in the halves. So, yeah, that seems like a good fit. Friendy, I'm going to I'm gonna throw you a bone here. Um, it's your favorite player. Exit. Exit. <laughs> Expire? <laughs> this, is, this is Lachlan Fitzgibbon we're talking about. He, <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a fairly, uh, fairly well-known back rower. Uh, was highly thought of at various points. I, he may have played some country origin um, a few years ago. Um, but... Yeah, Friendy, it sounds like you would like him to exit the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, get rid of him. Bye, Lockie. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'd be a good fit for another NRL club? Oh, if they want him, they can have him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Miles. <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you think? Do you? Uh, I, I assume you don't share the vitriol that, that Friendy does for uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. So, uh, do you... Do you see some NRL potential in, in Lachlan uh, if he doesn't stay at the Knights? Uh, I think so. I mean, he's uh, just looking at his um, his birth certificate now. He's 27, so not quite as young as I thought he was. But, uh, look, I think if a club is looking to bolster its back row stacks, you could, you could do worse, I think. But Friendy seems to think not. Did you say that you found his birth certificate? <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. Okay, I was like, like, wow, really? That's like, that's um, that's that, that's above the horizontal effort for sure. Um, okay. Uh, speaking of effort, and maybe not so much in recent years, this is a guy that's played for both New South Wales and Australia. He's also known for uh, running away from New South Wales camps to go to pubs five hours away. It's Blake Ferguson, and uh, he's he's been in and out of the Parramatta Eels team this year miles and for all of his you know yardage that he's very capable of uh he's also capable of an error in both attack and defense uh, he's not the youngest dude going around anymore I might, i'd wager he'd be about that 30 mark um what do you what do you make of blake well, the, the Eels seem fixated on exit, but I, I don't see why they can't be an encore here. I mean, he, he, he's not going to cost all that much money to re-sign, they, especially given that they've uh, said they don't, they're not interested in him. So he's, he's probably dropped his price a little bit, I'm guessing. But look, I, again, I think you could do worse if you're looking for a, a backup in his position. He, he plays all um, of the, the, back, well, the back three positions, and he, he's played in the centres before as well. Um, so, and he's an experienced campaigner too. So, I, I would uh, I'd take uh, uh, Blake Ferguson on, on my team as a, as a backup. Certainly not a, a first-choice option, but a backup for sure. I think it depends on the club. See, like, for me, I'm a Cowboys man, and I look at a guy like Blake Ferguson and go, would Blake Ferguson make 
our best back five. Yes, definitely. No question. Um, do I want him? Uh, price is such an important factor there. Friendy, what, what do you think? I think there's certainly an encore in him. Uh, he's a representative winger, to be honest. So um, he's still, well, obviously, he does have those errors and things like that. But the yardage he offers, and we spoke about that earlier in the season, about how much, um, how important wingers are to teams and results. And I think he offers that in spades. So if you're making 200 metres a game on your wing um, and you can cut those errors out, then, yeah, you're doing a massive job for your team. And I think Blake does that. Yeah, right. So, do you think uh, he would be good value for just about any NRL side, or do you think uh, maybe yep. more of those bottom eight type teams? No, I think any. So, I think even more so to the to the top sides. Like, if you could get him at a cut price deal, let's say, like Melbourne's crying out for a right winger at the moment. I, I think. Um, imagine Blake Ferguson on on the end of that back line. I, I mean, they're going to miss Ado Car next year as well. So, um, I, I think he'd go great down there. They have got Xavier Coates coming in, but uh, but yes, uh, with with Adokar leaving, there is another wing spot opening up, and Ferguson would definitely fit the mould there. Uh, speaking of representative backs, uh, this is one of the one of the very best for New South Wales in the last decade or so, um, particularly in the centres. There's a lot of we've we've spoken about him before. This is Josh Morris. His his brother retired with injury this year, very unfortunately. Friendy, with Josh Morris, it's a bit of a tricky situation. He's 35. He's played a lot of games. Um, but if memory serves, Josh has not won a premiership. If that, if that's, that's right, isn't it? He has, he's never won, has he? He's, he's always been like at the Bulldogs when the Dragons were winning. Or, or maybe he did with the Bulldogs. No, they didn't win. No. So, he hasn't won a premiership. So... Is, is, is if the fire is still burning, do you think he's he's a good contributor to an NRL standard side, or or are you thinking this this could be the end uh, for Josh? I think the fire that is burning is going to be extinguished by a lot of schooners watching the football next year. Um, <laughs> I don't think Josh will play next year. I think he'll retire. He'll call stumps, uh, same as his brother. Um, fantastic career. He's been an outstanding player, especially club level, representative level. Yeah, he's been fantastic, but I, I think it's all over for Josh. In the last, like, I think I'm right in saying that he hasn't won a comp. In, in the last... Okay, let's, let's call it the NRL era. If you're going to make a 17-man team of players that have not won the comp, he'd be in it. Like he'd be he'd be just like right yep. there. Miles, yeah. Do you do you agree that it's it's time to call time like his brother did? Well, I mean, uh, I think if the the fire still burns, go around again. He's um, is as fit as as fit as three men, so you know he, I don't think you'd have any problem on that front. Um, and if that were the case, and uh, I was the Roosters, I'd certainly be looking for an encore. Uh, I'm not sure what their junior stocks are like re outside backs, but um, it, it does seem as if he is trending towards retirement. Yes, he certainly could do a great tutoring role. And you're right, he's. I mean. We've got three men talking on this chat right here. He's fitter than three of us combined for sure. So, um, <laughs> he's definitely fitter than three men. Um, last one, guys. Uh, a bit of an interesting one because this is a guy that contributes to a very successful team. They have been successful for most of the decade. And he's one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of applauded. It's Mark Nichols. Mark Nichols is 
probably around that 30 years old as well. Uh, someone that has never received, as I said, those those big plaudits. And, and some NRL fans, they wouldn't be particularly observant ones, but some NRL fans would say, Mark who? Because he's just one of those sort of players. Uh, Tom Burgess is the one that everyone notices. Cameron Murray's the one. Jai Arrow in that Rabbitohs side. But Mark Nichols has been there, rolling up his sleeves, getting his job done. So, Miles, do you think there's an, there's an encore in, in a player like Mark Nichols at the Rabbitohs or at another NRL club? Or, or is it time for him to maybe head overseas? Um. I could see literally any of the options here for Mark Nichols. I could see him returning to the Rabbitohs. He's been a great campaigner there, and they've gotten the best out of him. Um, you know, depending on where Wayne Bennett is next year, I could see him following Bennett too. He's he seemed to to really click with um, with with Wayne Bennett. Um, I could see him moving to another team anyway. Um, you know, if the Rabbitohs decide not to re-sign him for whatever reason, I could see him heading to. Uh, Europe. Um, I, I doubt he's made very much money in his career, so he's probably looking to um, add to that uh, retirement fund. Um, or I could just see him retiring. You know, maybe he's he, he's a workmanlike player. Maybe he's just um, not overly concerned with um, you, you know going over to England for whatever it is, 12, 24 months to to, to boost the payback. And maybe he's happy to just retire and, and and get himself a normal job, maybe coaching or or whatever. So I could see anything in, in Mark Nichols' future. Interesting bit of fence sitting there, Miles. Uh, <laughs> do you do you have a preference out of any of those options? Um, if I were my, if if I were literally in Mike Nichols' shoes, I'd uh, I'd look at the cost of living in in Sydney um, right now, and I'd, I'd be heading straight to Europe to make as much money as I possibly can. <laughs> Very good. See, that's that's interesting, uh, Friendy. Well. I assume you agree that all options are on the table for a guy like Mark Nichols, but what do you like for him? Yeah, certainly. He he sort of strikes me as a guy that um, will head out bush and be captain coach of a team and um, <laughs> earn a bit of coin that way, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the Ned Kelly beard talking. I, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I guess Europe's an option for him if that's what he wants to do. I still think he's got a bit to offer the NRL. I think he's just sort of started to believe that he can be a starting prop in the NRL and, and he's done quite well this year. So I think he might go around again, whether that's with Souths or, or someone else. I'm not too sure. Um but he, yeah, if he if he has another good year next year with maybe I don't know someone in the NRL for one season, he could look at going to the expansion team that on decent coin the year after. Mm. So I don't know, something like that could be an option. Potentially with Wayne Bennett again, as Miles was alluding to. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I if I'm in Mark Nichols's shoes, see, yeah, <laughs> this is just so interesting. Like I'm a typical. I'm one of those rich kids that hates the idea of being a rich kid. So, for me, it's all about like, no, money's not important. I don't care. And for me, it's like, what I want is premierships. What I want is the pride. What I want is that, right? So, if I'm Mark Nichols with my brain, I'm thinking, stay at the fucking Rabbitohs. Like, you've got Latrell Mitchell. You've got Cody Walker. Adam Reynolds leaving maybe takes away some of that premiership window. But, you know, Jai Arrow, Cameron Murray... Damien Cook, like, it's still a really, really good side there. Uh, and you're part of a good system. You're well-liked at this club. 
uh, he, he'd be one of those bread and butter kind of guys. He'd be the kind of guy that would be lighting up the barbecue at the bloody, <laughs> not the illegal barbecue, but like, you know, at the, at the club fundraiser, you know, he's that kind of club, man. That's the way I see him. So, uh, I'd be staying at the Rabbitohs 100%. If I'm the Cowboys, as a Cowboys fan, I'm looking at a guy like Mark Nichols and saying, hmm, if the Rabbitohs are offering him 300, I'll offer him 350. Because I wouldn't mind having, like, the Glenn Hall experience that we had when he came from the Seagulls at the start of the <laughs> decade last year. Like, he, like, Glenn Hall was an experienced premiership winner and just one of those tough as nuts, bastard of a front rower that just did his job. And he taught the guys, like, the, uh, the Gavin Coopers and and the and Jason Tamalolos and the James Tamos and the mascots how to get to a level that they needed to get to to win a comp. And if I'm the Cowboys and I'm in charge of a rebuild, that's your professional front row that you want. That's why I wanted to throw him in the list. Uh, he seems kind of odd compared to the likes of Josh Morris and Blake Ferguson. But for me, that's like the epitome of your cornerstone first tackle front rower like someone that just does the hard yards every time and doesn't shirk it and uh yeah i i I certainly see a future in the nrl whether it's at the bunnies or at a club just just wants good value for what for their money Round 24 is upon us, and this week it starts on Thursday night at Sunshine Coast Stadium. It's between the Knights and the Titans. Miles, uh, a couple of teams... Well, the Knights are maybe a little bit safer in that top eight now. There is still a mathematical chance they could they could drop out. The Titans have a lot to play for, and they were pretty impressive against the Storm. Um, what do you see transpiring on this Thursday night clash? Yeah, I've, um, I was really um and ahhing about this one. Um for the Knights, um, uh, David Clement is going to miss one game um, for uh, taking an early guilty plea um, in his last game over the Bulldogs, uh, the win over the Bulldogs, rather. So he'll his place in front row will be taken by Suaso Su. Um, Tyson Frizzell back from his one-game ban. Um, and for the Titans, there's actually a few wins. Um, Tyrone Peachy is in at 5'8", and Ash, Ash Taylor is out. There's no explanation there, which is interesting. Um, Mo, Moyaki Fodawaka returning from knee injury um, and he's going to be returning by the bench so Sam Lassone is, is um, out of the team uh, David Feeder back on the bench as well after starting last week by Fermore starting as well um, Mitch Rain back at hooker which has pushed Aaron, Aaron Clark to the bench and Philip Sammy is in on the wing uh, at the expense of Greg Marcier who's uh, I think been decently impressive but yeah, as I said, it's a really tough one to call. Um, the Knights, Titans both have a lot to play with, um, play for rather, even though the Knights are, as we said, slightly more secure in their place in the top eight. But look, I um, it's it's a difficult one, and uh, you know I'm still not entirely certain about who I've written down here. But I am going to, you know, and, and no offense to you, friendy, but I'm going to tip what I want to see here, which is the Titans. Um, Winning in a you know in a, in a big spot when their season's on the line, you know I think they can both make it at the end of the day. Um, yep. But it, I think it'd be good for good for the NRL even to see the the Titans um, conquer uh, their uh, youth and, and relative inexperience uh, compared to some of the other teams trying to make the eight and and win in a in a big spot here on Thursday night with everyone watching. Yeah, friendy. I've a couple of, as as Miles mentioned, Clemmer is out for a game and. Daniel Saifiti is already out for a, a little while. 
The mm. Titans are only strengthened in their middle rotation with Mo Fodoeka coming into the side. Um, Friendy, is that is this a bit of a danger game for you guys? Oh, massively. Yeah, I'm going to tip Newcastle, but it's much more with heart than it is with head. Um, I think we're right up against it on Thursday night, um, and I'm basically just tipping us on the back of who I think the best player on the field is in Caelan Ponga, um, and I'm expecting him to have a big game against the Titans, who defensively, um, I think they're quite poor, um, and I think Kalen should carve that up, but it's a, it's a big if at the moment. They also do have the sixth best halfback in the comp in Mitchell Pierce, according to the above the horizontal panel. Uh, didn't we cause a stir on social media the other the other day? Wow, we love uh, it. <laughs> that was good. That was good fun. I, I it got to I, I went through waves of like enjoying it and not enjoying it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all good exposure, isn't it? Um, I am also I'm. I'm thinking the Titans on this one. I'm very curious about Tyrone Peachy playing 5-8. In fact, Friendy, if I can pick your brain as a Knights fan, are you relieved to see Tyrone Peachy at 5-8 instead of a more traditional half? Or do you think that's danger signs? No, no. The more he's got the ball, the more dangerous they are. So um, if they had have had Toby Sexton at halfback, and Peachy at 5'8", I would have seriously contemplated tipping them. Jaden Campbell is looking like an absolute world beater at the moment um, in his two or three games that he's played. So, yeah, they've got plenty of strike everywhere. Um, I'm just backing that without the ball, they seem to hate that side of the game. So, um, yeah, I'll just tip Newcastle, but only just. See, for me, the, um, the Peachy at 5'8", was what nearly flipped it for me. I, 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 the way I look at it, you know, yes, they might be more dangerous, but... They seem to be one of those teams that uh, need to have uh, more going right and, and more stability to, to win the games that they do. So I thought that might just introduce a little bit of doubt um, in their heads. So that's uh, that's uh, I almost flipped them from the Titans, but you know, stay strong on them, I guess. It's interesting that you've both tipped the opposite way, but for the different reasons. Just there, like that's that's so interesting <laughs> to me. Um, uh, so- Either way, I think what we can agree that Tyrone Peachy creates chaos and it could be a bad chaos for the Titans, like you say, Miles, uh, where the unstructured just doesn't work or it could be a good kind of chaos for the Titans, as you say, Friendy, where he just throws stuff that the Knights are not expecting um, and just runs the ball more and and creates that sort of problem for them. Uh, very interesting to see. I, I think he'll be a real X factor either way, as, we, as you both uh, mentioned. The next game is between the Warriors and the Raiders. It's at 6 p.m. on Friday from BB Print Stadium in Mackay. Good to see Mackay getting a game there. Uh, BB Print, never heard of them, but uh, here's your chance, BB. Go well. Um, The the Warriors, a a lot of changes uh, from their very narrow loss to the Broncos. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, uh, Chanel's been dropped and... Sean O'Sullivan has come in. Matthew Lodge returns. That's a big in. Josh Curran's been named despite uh, the uh, the head knock slash shoulder injury that appeared to be last week. So uh, interesting to see whether he plays. He's a he's a he's a big in for them. If he can stay on the field for nearly eighty minutes, I, I give them a real chance. Um, they've also named Kane Evans to return from his suspension in the reserves. Uh, that's. That's that's a, that's a mistake. He's the best player in the comp. Um, and Cody Nick Green is on the bench, which I think is a good 
in for them as well. The Raiders are strengthened as well. They had a pretty good performance against the Sea Eagles. They put up a good fight. They have uh, Horsburgh returning from his stint at the Bulldogs, and they've got Havili joining the bench as well. They've dropped Sam Williams to the reserves. Matt Frawley gets a crack at halfback. Um, interesting to have two left-footers in the halves. Um, I, I, I'm not completely sold on that personally. Um, and Chansey Nickel Kluckstar stays on the bench, which is also interesting. I, I don't think that you're getting the best out of him or Jordan Rapiner doing it that way, but I'm not an NRL standard coach, so good luck to Ricky Stewart. Um, I think the Raiders have slightly more to play for and slightly better side, although the Warriors forward pack is quite impressive. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Friendy, who do you like here? I'll tip the Raiders and only just as well. Uh, I just think, yeah, Ricky Stewart will be able to get them up for this game and, and I think they'll pinch the win. Yeah, it's a chat effect for me. Um, <laughs> what about you, Miles? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the Warriors as well here, but I, I have landed on the Raiders, I think. Um, I think the experience of Ricky Stewart's coaching will get them through it. Um, I don't know why I'm backing that horse, but that's why I've chosen the Raiders. Yeah, it's it's slim pickings there, isn't it? Um, it's Ricky Stewart versus Nathan Brown. Like, Ricky's the winner there. Um <laughs> The later game on Friday is being played from Suncorp Stadium. It could be an absolute uh, cracker of a game. I'm, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be at this museum event, which is now officially the nerdiest thing that's been said on this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Roosters have a few changes in their back line. Adam Kieran is out. That hurts them in a couple of ways, uh, not just because he's not a bad player himself, but also because he's quite a good goal kicker. He's had a head knock. So... Lachlan Lamb, who has filled in in the centres at various times this season from the bench um, because of injury during games. Uh, He's in the centres again. Brad Abbey, who was a once highly rated uh, fullback from the Warriors, and he went to the Raiders, and now he's at the Roosters. He's going to be on the wing. Um, For some reason, he's been... It's decided that he's a worse fullback than James Tedesco. Not sure what's going on there. Um, I would suggest that Taukayaho will will be the goal kicker at the, in the front row there. Um, Nat Butcher is out, so Egan Butcher gets to start. He looks pretty lively. He just got re-signed by the Roosters. Kaelin McColl-Matungi is out. That's probably quite a big out for the Rabbitohs. He has been a monster for them. Although Jaden Sewer comes in, so that's not not exactly a, a bad replacement. I'm going to have to go with the Rabbitohs here, guys. I just think uh, they've just got more strike power. And yes, they were overrun by the Panthers. And I think, frankly, that would have embarrassed the Rabbitohs a little bit. They, they had control of that game. And the Panthers just beat them for pure patience and execution. And uh, if the Rabbitohs do indeed have premiership uh, ideals, they they want to they want to win the premiership. Of course, that's the kind of game they can't be losing in that sort of fashion. I expect a much improved performance against the Roosters, who are technically also a threat for the premiership, sort of. So uh, I'm I'm going Rabbitohs here, Miles. What do you think? Yeah, another tough one. Um, that's three tough games to start the the week, but um, they're obviously both very professional outfits. But I think it's asking a lot of the Roosters to overcome the Rabbitohs, given how injury hit they are. So I am going to tip the Rabbitohs. What do you think, Friendy? 
Yeah, I'll be tipping the Rabbitohs. I'll just say on the game, I love this um, contest. Every every time it comes up each year or twice a year, um, I love watching them both go at it. Yeah, I'd love it. to see a grand final one day uh, with these two. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'll be tipping the Rabbits. Oh, geez, that would be a good trivia question. When was the last grand final that these two foundation clubs contested? Like, that would be like, geez, it would be like back in the 30s or 70s, something. 70s, maybe? Like, yeah. oh, maybe, like, yeah, like, that's, the, and wow, what like, what, ama- what an amazing thought, you know, like, um, they've, they've been there forever, but they very rarely line up at the big game, and we may never see it again. 1935 is the first Google result for it. There you go. Yeah, wow. They played the first one in 1908, but um, 1935 is more recent than then. I'm not sure about the others. Yeah, I was going to say, because the Rabbitohs were quite strong at the start of the 70s, and then the Roosters were strong in the mid-70s, because they basically poached a bunch of the Rabbitohs players. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was a that was a thing. Um, and then both teams went through a lean period for a couple of decades. Um, so, they haven't, they haven't lined up. So, yeah, since the 30s, there you go, the old uh, Dan, Dan Brown? I'll double-check that. Dave Brown. Dave Brown. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the next game is between the Dragons and the Cowboys. It's on Saturday afternoon. It's from Brown Park in Rockhampton, as we've mentioned, the home ground of their uh, coach, Anthony Griffin. So it's a homecoming for him, for the Dragons. Uh, Friendy, there's a couple of teams that you'd probably say are out of the running here. So the Cowboys seem to have made a few changes. Um, What do you think is going to come from this one? Yeah, they certainly have. It looks like um, the Dragons have made a few changes too, and I'll, I'll start with them. So Tyrell Sloan, he's back in at fullback. Uh, Matt Dufty's out. So they've just been changing that position and their halves, everything constantly. So I'm not sure what Griffin's really thinking there. But um, Blake Laurie comes back in. He's a bit of an in for them. Josh McGuire pu- um, pushes up to prop as well. Jaden Sullivan's been named at hooker, um, and they've got Fre- Freddie Lussick on the bench. Whether that starts that way for the game, I'm not too sure. Mm. Um and Michaeli Ravalawa will play despite failing a HIA. Um, it also looks like Tarek Sims will go back into um, his second row customary position, um, and Jack DeBellin will go back to his customary lock position as well. So um, a few changes for them. And then for the Cowboys on their side of things, uh, Jason Taumalolo, Kyle Felt, and Murray Taulungi will all come back in um, for them. And it looks like Ruben Cotter has been named lock with Mitchell Dunn on the interchange bench as well. Griffin Neem, is he, he one of your favourites, Bo? Um, yeah. He's back from suspension as well. So um, I'll... Oh, jeez. I'll be tipping the Dragons, but with not much confidence whatsoever. It's just a, a coin flip for me. Yeah, I um, interesting bit of trivia is that this is the first time that Valentine Holmes has played in the centres in first grade. Uh, it's also the first time that Tal Malolo has played in the front row, technically, in first grade, although he plays plays like that at lock anyway. Uh, so I don't see a, a great deal of change there for him. Uh, it, very curious to see if that comes to fruition for Todd Payton. It's actually probably one of the better balanced teams that the Cowboys have fielded for a long time, which gives me some hope. It also gives me hope that they're playing against the Dragons. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. It's a heart pick, but it's also somewhat a logic pick. Although I do like Talatau Armoni at that 5'8". I thought he was really impressive last week in a, in a, in a struggling side. Miles, who do you like here? Yeah, look, I. Uh, it, it's a gosh, it's a, a really tough round to pick, but um, I am going to pick the Dragons with very little confidence. Um, 
and I could easily see the Cowboys winning. Ah, uh, yeah. I was going to change, but I think I'll stick with the Dragons actually. Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate the, appreciate the support. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although we did both tip the Titans, didn't we, Miles? So <laughs> against the Knights. Um, Miles, you have the next game, which is between the Sharks and the Broncos. It's a home game for the Sharks, but it is being played at Suncorp Stadium at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, um, so Ronaldo Mortallo is out for this game. Um, uh, he's uh, hurt his jaw. I'm not sure he's broken his jaw or dislodged it or whatever, but he's going to be out. Um, be replaced um, by Moeen Harati. Um uh, Connor Tracy is um, back in the centres as well, um, and Luke Metcalf is going to retain his place at 5'8", after that, uh, as we said, that uh, uh, suspect try that he scored on the weekend. <laughs> um, and Aiden Tolman also back, um, which will unfortunately force out another man we've already mentioned, Billy Magulius. Um And the Broncos, believe it or not, are 1-17 as they were last week. So some stability for the Bronx. Um, I don't know if that... Uh, makes them a more enticing tip or not. Um, I am going to tip the Sharks here. Um, I actually think that uh, Metcalf and Trindle look like a really good harvest combination on the weekend. Obviously, they scored 50 points, so they must have been doing something right. Um, but apart from that, I think the Sharks have a ton to fight for, and I, I think they will lift for each other um, as they, they try to push toward the, the top eight. So, um, you know, I can certainly see the Broncos making a game of it. They They seem to have uh, been uh, they seem to have a lot of heart this Broncos team, but I, st- I still think the Sharks will win. Hmm. Uh, a, a few things. One, I, I I can't make any sense of the fact that the Broncos haven't re-signed Ethan Bullimore. They've they've basically let him go to the Sea Eagles. That's almost certain to happen now, and uh, that's just so confusing to me because he looks like a real good player, a lot of mobility, good footwork, good work yep. ethic. Um, I, I that's so strange to me. A, a team that's struggling like that, not being able to keep one of their young guys, just bizarre. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, just on the record, that I will neither confirm or deny that I was the one that broke uh, Ronaldo Militello's jaw uh, for patronising Luke Metcalf. Um, I will. <laughs> so I, I know what you guys are thinking. I will not confirm or deny. I. Uh, and it pains me to say it, but I think the Broncos are the more impressive team. I, I'm going to go with the Broncos on this one. There's a reason why I'm coming last in the footy tips, uh, and I'm about to prove it. So I'm going to go for the Broncos. Fr- Friendy, what do you think? Uh, I'll tip the Sharks, but yeah, I think it'll be closer than people think. Um, I thought Brisbane, they're they're playing okay at the moment, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll tip Cronulla. I just think they got more to play for. Yeah, very, very fair call. The next game... Uh, fairly good on paper and at the start of the season would have had a lot of people licking their lips. I'm not so sure anymore. It's the Storm and the Eels also from Suncorp Stadium. Bit of a nice double-headed there for the for the Brisbane locals on Saturday evening. Uh, I guess uh, a few ins and outs for the Storm, including Jerome Hughes has moved back to halfback, which has Poor old Nico Hines going back to the interchange bench. Uh, I do feel a bit for Nico Hines. He's in the top five try assists in the competition, um, but he can't get a crack in the starting side because it has guys like Pappenhausen, Munster, and Hughes there. Speaking of not getting a crack in the starting side, Harry Grant had arguably his best game of first grade last week, and he's been relegated to the bench with Brandon Smith returning. It seems to be a, a certain style that Bellamy's going for, and it's hard to argue uh, with 19 straight wins as they equaled 
the Roosters in 1975 with that. Chris Lewis is still at lock, by the way. Um, for the Eels, Blake Ferguson looks like he's come back in uh, on the wing there. Uh, with Mike Acevo being out. So, Hayes Dunster looks set to probably retain his spot on the right-hand side with Penasini. Uh, Friendy, your prediction about Penasini turned out to be golden. Um, he had a pretty good game against the Cowboys. Um, I like Isaiah Papali'i anywhere on the field. He's been really, really good for the Eels this, this year, and I thought he was very impressive against maybe a slightly passive Cowboys line speed, um, but he really took advantage of those meters that were on offer. Um it's, it's the Eels have a good team on paper, but uh, can anybody tip against the Storm um, getting 20 in a row? And I'm, I'm not going to subscribe to that whole crap about they need to lose one. Like if they if they do need to lose one, maybe this is it. But God, like they could win the comp with like 26 wins in a row. Um, so I'm going to go with the Storm here, Friendy. Who are you going for? But also, did you want to perhaps just speak some life into what you were saying earlier about Nico Hines and a possible positional change? Yeah, so I think potentially what they could do with Nico is put him at right centre. Um, it's a, a similar defensive position. It's just two in and, and the halves defend three in. So he's been playing a bit of that as well. Um, I think he'd nail any two-on-ones out wide. Um, you've got a contrasting style of centre with Justin Olam, who's just a wrecking ball. And then if you had Nico out on the right, he's sort of more of a ball playing. So I think it, it's an option for them. And you push Remus Smith to the wing, which I actually think is his best position. Mm. Um, I, I think that's an option for them. Whether they do that or not, I'm not sure. I, I don't think... A few weeks ago, I thought that they could carry both Harry Grant and Nico on the bench. I don't think that's correct. I, I think I was wrong there. And I think they need to play... Um, three forwards and you've got Harry Grant on the bench there. You've got Brandon Smith who can move around, Kenny Bromwich. You, you can figure something out there if someone was to go down. I don't think they can have them both on the bench. So it's a it's a crazy headache to have, but I guess it's a good one. Um, and I'll be tipping Melbourne in this with their Energizer Bunny back, Brandon Smith. I think this will be a, a demolition job, to be honest. Miles, what, what do you... Well, first of all, what do you make of the Nico Hines suggestion? And, and secondly, who's your tip? Yeah, well, I, I don't think they can really leave him out. I, I, I don't want to say they can't afford to leave him out because this team just does what it wants, it seems. But um, he, he is too good to leave out. It's I think it's that simple. Um, so I would totally subscribe to what Freddie's suggesting there. And um, I also subscribe to the tip that he's um, he's suggesting here. I, I think the, the Storm will really put a hurt on the Eels. Um, it's not unlike Craig Bellamy to really want to teach a team like the Eels a lesson right before finals and you know yes the Eels are down their luck anyway but I could see him really wanting to put them to the sword here just to put the put the fear of God into them and it would absolutely scare the shite out of me having to play against the storm in that kind of form so yes that's three from three from all of us the Sunday afternoon games and these involve my bold prediction uh I kicked off at Morton Daly Stadium at Redcliffe, as we've spoken about, a nice little stadium up at Redcliffe. It is the Seagulls and the Bulldogs. Now, the Seagulls are the red-hot favourites here. The only change, realistically, they've got is that Tavita Funa drops out and Tom Travojevic comes in. So, obviously, they're much weaker for that. Um, the Bulldogs... I mean, Jaden Okabor had that really impressive try. Um 
but realistically that was a, a good try from a pretty bad kick and uh and apart from that like, there's not a lot to write home about about the bulldogs i, I do like that beyond the odo is getting more game time he's starting at, at hooker there um but yeah look they're just they're in for a tough time here the seagulls as far as i'm concerned what do you think miles yeah, I think that the Seagulls need to do some work on their um, on their for and against as well. So I think they'll have get, got probably got this game circled to do that. And a friendly? Yeah, manly by plenty. Yeah, that's that's the way that I fall as well. And you have the last game, which is between the Panthers and the Tigers. It's also at Morton Daly Stadium. I certainly do. So. Uh Prop James Fisher-Harris and Brian Toto will both be back in uh, for their first game since round 19, which is their huge inclusions for Penrith. Um, it looks like their Matt Eisenhuth and Brent Naden will drop out to accommodate their return. Dylan Edwards, he has been named, but uh, they're going to monitor his progress. So um, Stephen Crichton may shift back there. We'll just see later in the week, I guess. Um, being a Sunday game, they might leave that um, a bit longer. Um, and for the West Tigers, Adam Dewey, he's um, failed to finish last week's game with a knee issue, so he's actually been left out. Young Jock Madden gets a go. I've seen a bit of Jock um, when he has played New South Wales Cup and, and even lower grades than that. Um, he, he's a good young player, Jock Madden, so I expect him to go okay. Um, they are up against Penrith, so it might be a bit tough, um, but he does have some talent there, yes. Uh, and Thomas McKayley and Jacob Little will both come in at prop and hooker, and Joe Offengawi and Jake Simkin will drop back to the interchange bench for them. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be tipping um, Penrith here, and I think they'll yeah they'll make a bit of a statement here too. I think those those last three games, the the big sides will, will make uh, make mincemeat of their opposition. Yeah, I'm also going for the Panthers. I, I think this is about as good a team as the Panthers can possibly field. Uh, I am not as crazy hot on Charlie Staines as other players are, as other people are. I like the idea of having a backline that has Crichton and Roski. Add you as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he can too. score a try. He can score a try, can't he? But it, it's like uh, where the going gets tough. I'd rather have Toro and Crichton there, frankly. And Momorowski's done enough to earn his spot. Burton's looked fantastic in the centres. Edwards is a good fullback. So uh, I think that's their best back line. That's definitely the best forward pack they can muster. Um, and adding to Vita Pangai Jr., just incredible stuff. Miles, I assume you're tipping the Panthers. Um, do you give the Tigers much hope here? Uh, not exactly. I, I, th- I think if. Um uh, if, if the Panthers have the competitive fire that's required to win the the premiership, um, then they'll be really cut up about the fact that the Tigers ended their streak of um, uh, whatever it was, regular season wins or whatever, whatever flag they're flying. Um, there's still obviously a lot of their state of origin players are out, but I, if I was one of those players who played in that game, I would be pretty um, pretty cut up about it. So I'd look for them to exact some revenge here on a, a weakened Tigers team. I'm glad to hear you both say that. Let's get into our bold predictions. Mine involves those two Sunday games. It's the Seagulls and Bulldogs, and it's the Panthers and the Tigers. I think the combined difference between the winning sides and the losing sides will be 70 points or more. So that could be that could be Seagulls yeah. win by 40, Panthers by 30. Uh, it could be Seagulls by 66 and Panthers by 4. We've seen that. Um, so, uh, wh- however, however it's sliced, I expect the difference, or the, the cumulative uh, 
margin, I suppose, of those two games to be 70 points or more, like a couple of blowouts to end the weekend. Unfortunately, because a lot of the earlier games in the week seem to be pretty good, tight affairs. But yeah, that one's yeah, bizarre, blowout, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, big blowouts in the in, on Sunday for me. Miles, what's your bowl prediction? Well, um, uh, look, last weekend, James Tedesco seemed to identify the fact that he, he needed to go to another level for the Roosters to, to be any chance of winning the Premiership this year. Um, I think mm. given the embarrassment that's been served to his team on a number of occasions by the Rabbitohs recently, I expect Teddy to go to another level this weekend. So I'm going to back him in for a hat trick in a narrow Chooks loss. A hat-trick and a loss. That that might be amongst the most bold of all predictions, and I love you for it, Miles Stedman. Thank you very much. Let's, let's, let's be honest. I've, uh, I've been um, getting up with a few fairly non-bold predictions lately, so I'm going to put it all on the line here. Wouldn't I love to see you get a, hat, a hattie of bolds uh, and with such a bold one? That would be tremendous. <laughs> um, Freddie, what's your bold prediction? Uh, I will tell you that in a second. I'll just go on Miles one quickly. That's like getting a hundred in a losing side. There's yeah, there'd be no better feeling. So you've done your job. <laughs> <and then, laughs> you're letting me down, guys. What have you done? Um, but yeah, my bold will be mine's similar-ish to Bo's. Mine's the last three games, so I'll have Melbourne, Manly, and Penrith to score 120 points between them um, or more. Okay, so that's just purely offense. That's not difference. That's yep. no, 120 just, just, points. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, Melbourne, Manly, and Penrith. So, it's it's average of 40 across the board, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think it could potentially be much more. Who do you expect to do the heavy lifting? Do you think it'll be even, or do you think oh. there'll be one team in particular? I think Melbourne will make a real statement um, this week. And I think Penrith, if they can hold the ball, uh, I think they have the potential to put a lot of points on the Tigers as well. However, uh, yeah, I, I think Manly's the obvious choice there, especially as they, they beat Canterbury 66-0 last time. So, mm. And that could, that could have been 80. Um, yeah, so I think Manly would be the highest scorer. That would be my guess. Um, yeah, but I think 120 between the three of them. That was some Usain Bolt shit, wasn't it? It was like they got to like... 50 odd nil and then they just took the foot off the pedal a little bit like like when Usain yep. Bolt broke the world record of like 9.58 across the 100 meters and he was jogging the last 10 like just crazy yep. stuff um shout out to Usain Bolt by the way and also a shout out <laughs> thank you guys so much for this episode uh and and shout out to Kieran of course who couldn't be part of it uh because of his schedule uh, I've also got a shout out to Adrian Pertel uh, a friend of the friend of the show, Daniel Lang, uh, who I do my Pretty Fly podcast with, told me a story during our episode the other day about uh, when Adrian Pertel, he played for the, the Raiders initially and then he moved to the Panthers. Um, and he used to cop a lot of flack from Panthers fans online um, because they like to lay into somebody and the Panthers weren't doing so well back then. And... and Lang's like, you know what? He's a winger. If he's the worst of our problems, we're really stuffed up. So he actually stood up for him a lot online. And Adrian Pertel actually like acknowledged that uh, to him privately. And they sort of became Facebook friends. Um, and what Dan and a few of his Panthers mates used to do is write those big banners and take them to the games. And Dan coined the one, Pert's so good. Um, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> was just to sort of stand up for him a bit. And uh, when P- 
Pertel was leaving Penrith to go overseas to Bradford, um, you know, he got in contact with Dan and whatever. And Dan said, oh, look, do you want to take it? And so he did. He took the Pert So Good banner with him across to Bradford. And now he's moved back to Albury and he's opened up a, a, a sushi shop uh, in Albury, where he was from initially. Uh, so, uh, shout out to Adrian Pertel. Oh, uh, do told, you want to give it a plug? Uh, was it you, Sushi? I think you sushi in in Albury. Uh, so sponsored uh, uh, above the horizontal is not sponsored by you sushi <laughs> in Albury. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, a big shout out to a friend of a friend of the podcast, Adrian Pertel. <laughs> Friendy, who have you got this week? Uh, well, on the back of the Pert So Good sign, I may as well give a shout out to John Cougar Mellencamp, who actually sung the song Hurt So Good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the inspiration for it all. Shout out to the, the Cougar. And <laughs> from a panther to a Cougar to what have you got, Miles? <laughs> well, um, I'm actually going to change it up last minute here uh, based on my uh, on show research. So the 35 grand final was, by the way, the last time that. Uh, the Roosters beat the Rabbitohs. They won 19-3. Uh, interesting school, I don't know, but I think tries were three points back then, so yeah, uh, makes a bit more sense. Um, but that said, that was not the last time that uh, the two finished uh, Premier and runner-up because uh, that happened two years later in 1937, but the season was shortened that year due to a Kangaroos tour, um, and it was... Um, uh, uh, I guess a, a soccer style um, uh, first past the post um, premier. So the Roosters right. finished up in the standings with 16 points, and the Rabbitohs finished second on 13. Is that from Rugby League Project? Uh, no, Wikipedia. Oh, <laughs> but we, we do love the Rugby League Project here. On- we do love the Rugby League Project here. Thank you for that tidbit. Uh, it, it almost feels like Kieran was here with that sort of statistical analysis. Right. So thank you for that, Mark. Do you guys want to guess who? Do you want to guess who finished in last that season, 37? Oh, um, uh, university. Yeah. Oh, yep. damn it. That it was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking there was like, in the mid-30s, it was like a team that like lost yeah. for like three seasons straight. <laughs> yeah, didn't win again. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and there was university. Yeah, they didn't last much longer than that. I think they were defunct by the late 30s, if memory serves. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they... they they were on Struggle Street, those guys. They were literally students. So it was like, um, you know, like teams had some sort of money. Like the Roosters would get... is Dave Brown, right? Dan Brown's the author. Dave Brown's the player. Um, they got Dave Brown, who's basically an immortal. I think he is literally an immortal now. And and like all these sort of great players. Ray Stare back in the day. And, and, <laughs> and then University had just rolled out the Bo Nicholson's of the world. <laughs> to, play, to play against these future immortals. Uh, yeah, that, so, was, what you're was, saying is Nick, Nick Politis was paying the Roosters back then? Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they were a red hot team. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.